Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Thursday, <clears throat> December 28th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. A lot of great listening over there. Are over 60 well-curated podcasts, wide, wide variety of topic areas, all covered from a biblical worldview. My brothers and sisters in Christ over there doing some great work for the kingdom. I will guarantee you, you can find something over there to listen to. And I can almost guarantee you, or at least it's a very, very good possibility, and I say this from experience, it's possible you're going to find more over there to listen to than you actually have time to listen to it in. And what a great first world problem to have. All right. Well, again, I am sorry for the uh, for not not having an, pod, uh, an episode for the last couple of days. Um, again, Christmas was just so full. So obviously Christmas night, I wasn't able to get something recorded. Um, I mean, we got home relatively early enough, but I had been up since four 30 that morning and we didn't get home till, uh, six 30, seven o'clock. So needless to say, I was kind of exhausted, uh, <laughs> which is sad. I had done all the preparation for it that morning while I was, you know, that up, up that early in the morning doing the turkeys and every doing the smoke and the turkey, which came out wonderful. I've never done it before again. The brine was not my recipe. The instructions were somebody else's, but it actually came out awesome. Um, as did my son smoked ham. Usually he doesn't smoke ham. I do the ham and he, um, and he roasts the turkey while we swapped around and they came out. The, the, the meal was great. And we were with family. We had four generations of Floyd's there, my mother, all the way down to my grandchildren. So that was awesome. Um, it was great seeing our newest, my, my, um, baby granddaughter that's not a couple of weeks old sitting there with my mom, my mom, who's 84. That was just really, really cool. And I, and I think that's cool because I have pictures. Of course, I don't remember these things happening, but pictures of myself in my great grandmother's lap, my mom's grandmother's lap. So those are kind of cool. So anyways, um, but then, like I said, um, we got up, got up kind of late Tuesday morning, you know, day after Christmas, I went, gave blood, came back, and then we went to the ER because my wife, when she fell a little over a week ago, we've talked about that on Sunday on the way going to church, about a day later started having rib issues, rib pain, and she's had a tendency to pop cartilage out from between. Um, so we thought maybe it was that, but it continued and got worse. So we were a little concerned that she had fractured something. So we went to the ER. We went to a new ER, different one than we usually go to because it's a newer hospital. We thought, why not? Well, here's why not. We ended up sitting there for eight hours. We were there till, oh, sometime well after 10 o'clock, 1030. I was pushing 1030. So we'd been there eight hours to get a set of x-rays, a shot, and a prescription. Now, 
I'm not going to say which hospital. And again, don't get me wrong. The people there, the nurses there and everything were wonderful. Actually, the rest of the people in the waiting room, we had a really good time together. It, that we, we were very blessed by that. But they are so drastically understaffed. And I feel so bad for them because they're working so hard. But there's only so much they can do. There really is only so much they can do. So um, needless to say, ate up all of yesterday. So I obviously couldn't record anything for yesterday. And it kept me from really having any, having anything ready for today. And then we had stuff to do. And we actually slept in this morning again. And we needed it. Both of us needed it. She definitely needed it. She was finally able to get some good sleep. My wife was. My wonderful bride. Um, So I just wasn't able to get anything out today. But... And so Wednesday, and obviously I'm recording Wednesday night for Thursday, but again, I had the Bible study stuff ready. So what we're going to do, like I put out on my post on my, um, on my social media over the four social media platforms I use, we are going to double up on scripture so that we don't miss any. So I'm actually going to read from the 26th and 27th today, today, and you're going to hear it on the 28th. And then I'm going to read on for the 28th and the 29th on the episode that comes out on the 29th. So that way we're going to cover them all. We're going to stay on top so that we wrap up on the 31st. We will have read all of the rest of it. So but what we're also going to do for the evening segment, we're going to continue on in this section about the three cardinal Christian virtues. Um, we talked about love. We're going to be talking about faith. And then the last one we'll be talking about for Friday evening, God willing, will be hope. Meaning we will wrap up John 16. We'll wrap up the um, upper room discourse in 2023 and we'll pick up in john 17 at the beginning of john 17 the high priestly prayer in 2024 so <clears throat> and i'm sorry i got kind of a frog in my throat and hang on a minute i'm gonna put my hand in front of the mic and i'm gonna have a little bit of coffee to try to clear this out so hang on All right. Hopefully you didn't hear that. My wife said if she keeps hearing it on the podcast and yes, I'm giving her away. She actually does listen though. She didn't used to. Um, she gets angry. At, she actually, it doesn't get angry. She, she, it bothers her to hear me swallowing. And she says she's going to call management if I don't stop. So let's get going with our reading. So again, um, let's see. So we're going to open up with a fifth day morning prayer with it being Thursday, fifth day morning prayer. It's called the giver. And again, like I said, we're so I'm going to try something different when we hit 2024. We're using Valley of Vision prayers and um, Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for our devotions for 2023. We've used it. Well, we've now been using them for 16 months. It'll be 16 months when we wrap up here at the end of this month. I'm going to try some stuff from John MacArthur and Grace to You um, that are specific things for him, devotions and stuff. And we're going to see how that goes. I will probably intersperse some of that with stuff from Valley of Vision because I really don't want to get out of the practice of Valley of Vision, but I want to try a few other things. And truly, we may come back into Spurgeon's Morning and Evening because I love Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and I'm probably going to be reading them on my own anyways. So we may bring them in. I may come across one that I want to read to you. So we'll just see how that goes. But like I said, let's go ahead and open up with the fifth day morning prayer. It's called The Giver. Let's pray. Creator, upholder, and proprietor of all things. We cannot escape from thy presence and control, nor do we desire to do so. Our privilege is to be under the agency of thy omnipotence, righteousness, wisdom, patience, mercy, and grace. For thou art love with more than parental affection. We admire thy goodness, stand in awe of thy power, abase ourselves before thy purity. 
It is the, dis the discovery of thy goodness alone that can banish our fear. Allure us into thy presence. Help us to bewail and confess our sins. We review our past guilt and are conscious of present unworthiness. We bless thee that thy steadfast love and attributes are essential to our happiness and hope. Thou hast witnessed us thy grace and mercy in the bounties of nature, in the fullness of thy providence, in the revelations of scripture, in the gift of thy Son, in the proclamation of the gospel. Make us willing to be saved in thy own way, perceiving nothing in ourselves but all in Jesus. Help us not only to receive him, but to walk in him, depend upon him, commune with him, follow him as dear children, imperfect but still pressing forward, not complaining of labor, but valuing rest, not murmuring under trials, but thankful for our state. And by so doing, let us silence the ignorance of foolish men. Amen. All right, and now our morning devotion from Spurgeon's morning and evening for December 28th. Uh, let's see the text. Let me make sure I'm on December. Yes, I am. Okay. The morning devotion. So the text for it is from Galatians 2:20. the life, which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God. When the Lord in mercy passed by and saw us in our blood, he first of all said, live. And this he did first because life is one of the absolutely essential things in spiritual matters. And until it be bestowed, we are incapable of partaking in the things of the kingdom. Now the life which grace confers upon the saints at the moment of their quickening is none other than the life of Christ, which like the sap from the stem runs into us, the branches, and establishes a living connection between our souls and Jesus. Faith is the grace which perceives this union, having proceeded from it as its first fruit. It is the neck which joins the body of the church to, all, to its all-glorious head. O faith, thou bond of union with the Lord, is not, is not this office thine and thy fit name? In the economy of gospel types and symbols apposite, the church's neck, identifying her in will and work, with him ascended. Faith lays hold upon the Lord Jesus with a firm and determined grasp. She knows his excellence and worth, and no temptation can induce her to repose her trust elsewhere. And Christ Jesus is so delighted with his heavenly grace that he never ceases to strengthen and sustain her by the loving embrace and all-sufficient support of his eternal arms. Here, then, is established a living and sensible and delightful union which casts forth streams of love, confidence, sympathy, complacency, and joy whereof both the bride and bridegroom love to drink, when the soul can evidently perceive this oneness between itself and Christ. Christ, the pulse may be felt as beating for both, and the one blood as flowing through the veins of each. Then is the heart as near heaven as it can be on earth, and is prepared for the enjoyment of the most sublime and spiritual kind of fellowship. All right. And our reading for the day. All right. Oh, and please excuse me. I will do my best not to cheer out loud, but uh, my wife and I were watching a hockey game before I came to record this. <laughs> Sorry, needed a little coffee there. Um, and uh, sorry, we're Carolina, we're Carolina Hurricane fans, um, and they're playing the Nashville Predators, and they're up five to two in the third period. So I've got that running on one of my screens, just just so I can keep track of it. I will do my best not to pay attention to that, but I may jump up and down if we score more goals. So, all right. So our reading for the day is, uh, and I'm sorry if that insults you because I'm a Carolina, Carolina fan, especially since I've never lived there. Um, but the Arizona Coyotes are just not a very good team and have not been. 
So my wife and I, when we decided we were going to start watching hockey, we decided we wanted to find a team that we like. So, and we started last year following, not, not this year. So anyways, all right, so our reading for the day, and you really didn't care about any of that, but I thought I'd share. So Zechariah, so we're doing Zechariah 9, 10, and 11, Revelation 17 and 18, uh, Psalm 145 and 146, and Proverbs 30, 32, and 33, chapter 30, verses 32 and 33. So again, this is two days worth of reading. So hang on, <laughs> let's get going. We'll get, we'll dig through this as quickly as we can. And yeah, I've kind of run this morning segment long. Sorry about that. So Zechariah 9, hear the word of the Lord. The oracle of the world, word of Yahweh is against the land of Hadrach, with Damascus as its resting place. For the eyes of men, especially of all the tribes of Israel, are toward Yahweh, and Hamath also, which borders on it, and Tyre and Sidon, because they are very wise. So Tyre built herself a tight fortification, and tied up silver like dust, and fine gold like the mire of the streets. Behold, the Lord will dispossess her, and strike her wealth down into the sea, and she will be consumed with fire. Ashkelon will see it and be afraid. Gaza, too, will writhe in great pain. Also Ekron, for her hope, has been put to shame. Moreover, the king will perish from Gaza, and Ashkelon will not be inhabited, and those of illegitimate birth will inhabit Ashdod, and I will, or I'm sorry, Ashdod is actually how it's pronounced, and I will cut off the pride of the Philistines, and I will remove their blood from their mouth, and their detestable things from between their teeth. Then they also will be a remnant for our God, and be like a clan in Judah, and Ekron like a Jebusite. But I will camp around my house because of an army, because of him who passes by and returns, and no taskmaster will pass over them any more, for now I have seen with my eyes. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Make a loud shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and endowed with salvation, lowly and mounted on a donkey even on a colt, the foal of a pack animal. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem, and the bow of war will be cut off, and he will speak peace to the nations, and his reign will be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, O prisoners, who have the hope. This very day I am declaring that I will return double to you, for I will bend Judah as my bow, I will fill the bow with Ephraim, and I will rouse up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and I will make you like a mighty man's sword. Then Yahweh will appear over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning, and Lord Yahweh will blow the trumpet, and will go in the storm winds of the south. Yahweh of hosts will defend them, and they will consume and trample on the stones of a sling." and they will drink and roar as with wine, and they will be filled like a sacrificial bowl, drenched like the corners of the altar. And Yahweh their God will save them in that day, as the flock of his people, for they are as the stones of a crown, sparkling in his land, for what goodness and what beauty will be theirs. Grain will make the choice men flourish, and new wine the virgins. Zechariah 10 Ask rain from Yahweh at the, sorry, at the time of the late rain. Yahweh who makes the storm clouds, and he will give them showers of rain, the plant in the field to each man. For the teraphim speak wickedness, and the diviners behold false visions, and speak worthless dreams. They comfort in vain, therefore the people journey like sheep, 
They are afflicted because there is no shepherd. My anger burns against the shepherds, and I will visit punishment upon the male goats. For Yahweh of hosts has visited his flock, the house of Judah, and will make them like his splendid horse in battle. From them will come the cornerstone, from them the tent peg, and them the bow, bow of battle. From them every good taskmaster, all of them together. And they will be as mighty men, treading down the enemy in the mire of the streets in battle. And they will battle, for Yahweh will be with them. And the riders on horses will be put to shame. I will make the house of Judah mighty, and I will save the house of Joseph. And I will cause them to return, because I have had compassion on them. And they will be as though I had not rejected them. For I am Yahweh their God, and I will answer them. And Ephraim will be like a mighty man, and their heart will be glad as if from wine. Indeed, their children will see it and be glad. Their heart will rejoice in Yahweh. I will whistle for them to gather them together, for I have redeemed them, and they will be as numerous as they were before. And I will sow them among the peoples, and they will remember me in far countries, and they with their children will live and turn back. Then I will cause them to return from the land of Egypt, and gather them from Assyria. And I will bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon until no room can be found for them. And they will pass through the sea of distress, and he will strike the waves in the sea, so that all the depths of the Nile will dry up, and the pride of Assyria will be brought down, and the scepter of Egypt will depart, and I will make them mighty in Yahweh, and in his name they will walk, declares Yahweh. Zechariah 11 Open your doors, O Lebanon, that a fire may consume your cedars. Wail, O Cyprus, for the cedar has fallen, because the mighty trees have been destroyed. Wail, O oaks of Bashan, for the impenetrable, impenetrable forest has come down. Sorry, There is a sound of the shepherd's wail, for their might is destroyed. There is a sound of the young lion's roar, for the pride of the Jordan is destroyed. Thus says Yahweh my God, shepherd the flock doomed to slaughter. Those who buy them slaughter them and are not held guilty. And each of those who sells them says, Blessed be Yahweh. Indeed, I have become rich, and their own shepherds do not spare them. For I will no longer spare the inhabitants of the land, declares Yahweh. But behold, I will cause the men to fall, each into another's hand, and into the hand of, it this king, of his king. And they will crush the land, and I will not deliver them from their hand. So I shepherded the flock doomed to slaughter, hence the afflicted of the flock. And I took for myself two staffs, the one I called favor, and the other I called union. So I shepherded the flock. Then I annihilated the three shepherds in one month, for my soul was impatient with them, and their soul also was weary of me. Then I said, I will not shepherd you. What is to die, let it die, and what is to be annihilated, let it be annihilated, and let those who remain consume one another's flesh. And I took my staff favor and cut it in pieces to break my covenant, which I had cut with all the peoples. So it was broken on that day, and thus the afflicted of the flock who were watching me knew that it was the word of Yahweh. And I said to them, it is, If it is good in your sight, give me my wages, but if not, never mind. So they weighed out thirty shekels of silver as my wages. Then Yahweh said to me, Throw it to the potter, that valuable price at which I was valued by them. So I took the thirty shekels of silver and threw them to the potter in the house of Yahweh. Then I cut in pieces my second staff union to break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. Then Yahweh said to me, Take again for yourself the equipment of a foolish shepherd. For behold, I am going to raise up a shepherd in the land who will not care for those who face annihilation. Seek the young, heal the broken, or sustain the one standing, but will consume the flesh of the fat sheep and tear off their hooves.
Woe to the worthless shepherd who forsakes the flock. A sword will be on his arm and on his right eye. His arm will be totally dried up and his right eye will be utterly dimmed. All right, Revelation 17 and 18. Then one of the seven angels who have the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed sexual immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her sexual immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. Then I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead a name was written, A Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. Then I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, Why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was, and is not, and is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth, whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will wonder when they see the beast, that he was, and is not, and will come. Here in the mind, I'm sorry, here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And they are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is. The other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. And the beast which was and is not and is, him, and is himself also an eighth and is one of the seven. And he goes to destruction. And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom. But they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose and they give their power and authority to the beast. These will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are the called and elect and faithful. And he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot, where the harlot sits are peoples and crowds and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw and the beast, these will hate the harlot and will lay waste to her and make her naked, and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. For God gave it in their hearts to do his purpose, both by doing their own common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be finished. And the woman who you saw is the great city, which has a kingdom over the kings of the earth. Revelation 18. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. And she has become a dwelling place of demons, and a prison of every unclean spirit, and a prison of every unclean bird, and a prison of every unclean and hateful beast. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the power of her sensuality. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back even as she paid, and give her back double according to her deeds, in the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. To the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree, give her torment and mourning, for she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow, and will never see mourning. 
For this reason in one day her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for the Lord God who judges her is strong. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived sensuously with her will cry and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance because of the fear of her, her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth cry and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo any more, cargo of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and every kind of citron wood and every article of ivory and every article made from precious wood and bronze and iron and marble and cinnamon and amomum amomum and incense and perfume and frankincense and wine and olive oil and fine flour and wheat and cattle and sheep and cargo of horses and carriages and human beings and human lives and the fruit you long for has gone from you and all things that were splendid and shining have passed away from you and men will no longer find them the merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand at a distance because of the fear of her torment crying and mourning saying woe woe the great city she who was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls for in one hour such great wealth has been laid waste and every shipmaster and every passenger and sailor and as many as make their living by the sea stood at a distance and were crying out as they saw the smoke of her burning saying what is like the great city and they threw dust on their heads and were crying out, crying and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, in which all who have ships at sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. Then a strong angel picked up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence, and will not be found any longer. And the sound of the harpists and musicians and flute players and trumpeters will not be heard in you any longer, and no craftsman of any craft will be found in you any longer, and the sound of a mill will not be heard in you any longer, and the light of a lamp will not shine in you any longer, and the voice of the bridegroom and bride will not be heard in you any longer. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on the earth. All right, Psalm 145. <sighs> Let's see. I will exalt you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is Yahweh, and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall laud your works to another, and shall declare your mighty deeds. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on the words of your wondrous deeds I will muse. Men shall speak of the strength of your fearsome acts, and I will recount your greatness. They shall pour forth the memory of your abundant goodness, and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. Yahweh is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. Yahweh is good to all, and his compassions are over all his works. All your works, O Yahweh, shall give thanks to you, and your holy ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom, and talk of your might, to make known to the sons of men his mighty deeds, and the glory of the majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures from generation to every generation. Yahweh sustains all who fall, and raises up all who are bowed down. 
The eyes of all, all wait on you, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Yahweh is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. Yahweh is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will work out the desire of those who fear him. He will hear their cry for help and he will save them. Yahweh keeps all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of Yahweh and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. Psalm 146 Praise Yah, praise Yahweh, O my soul. I will praise Yahweh throughout my life. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not trust in nobles, in merely a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs, he returns to the earth. In that very day his plans perish. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in Yahweh his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who does justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. Yahweh sets the prisoners free. Yahweh opens the eyes of the blind. Yahweh raises up those who are bowed down. Yahweh loves the righteous. Yahweh keeps the sojourners. He helps up the orphan and the widow, but he bends the way of the wicked. Yahweh will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, from generation to generation. Praise Yah. Finally, Proverbs 30, verse 32 and 33. So this is the end of Proverbs 30. If you have been wickedly foolish in lifting yourself up, or if you have schemed evil, put your hand on your mouth. For pressing milk brings forth butter, and pressing the nose brings forth blood, and pressing anger brings forth strife. All right, well, that is our reading for the day. Um, wow, why did I click that twice? That's weird. For some reason, I had that up twice, and I don't know why I did that. All right, but anyways, that is our reading for the day. I thank you for spending this time with me. Um, again, I'm sorry it took so long, but I had some things I wanted to say to you. Um, I hope you've had a wonderful, uh, you, we've had a good time together. I hope this continues to help to keep all of us saturated in the Word of God, which is where we need to be, um, and we're, we're going to continue into 2024. I hope you have yourself a wonderful day. I would continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God. And I hope to see you for the evening segment. We're going to go ahead and close out with one um, that, and I specifically picked these for it. Um, and I think it's important. We got to remember about having true Christian joy, what that means versus the joy the world talks about. So we're going to close out with a prayer from Valley Vision and it's called joy. Let's pray. Oh Christ, all thy ways of mercy tend to and end in my delight. Thou didst sweep sorrow, suffer that I might rejoice. For my joy thou hast sent the Comforter, multiplied thy promises, shown me my future happiness, and given me a living fountain. Thou art preparing joy for me and me for joy. I pray for joy, wait for joy, long for joy. Give me more than I can hold, desire, or think of. Measure out to me my times and degrees of joy, at my work, business, duties. If I weep at night, give me joy in the morning. Let me rest in the thought of thy love pardon for sin, my title to heaven, my future unspotted state. I am an unworthy recipient of thy grace. I often disesteem thy blood and slight thy love, but can in repentance draw water from the wells of thy joyous forgiveness. Let my heart leap towards the eternal Sabbath, where the work of redemption, sanctification, preservation, glorification is finished and perfected forever. Where thou wilt rejoice over me with joy, there is no joy like the joy of heaven, for in that state are no sad divisions. 
unchristian quarrels, contentions, evil designs, weariness, hunger, cold, sadness, sin, suffering, persecutions, toils of duty. O healthful place where none are sick, O happy land where all are kings, O holy assembly where all are priests, how free a state where none are servants except to thee. Bring me speedily to the land of joy. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day, and I hope to see you for the evening segment. Have a good one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Thursday, December 28th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. All right, well, we're going to be continuing on. Sorry, I need to move a tab here. We're going to be continuing on in our study of John chapter 16. Uh, We're going to be working towards wrapping it up here. Um, God willing, this evening, for this evening segment and tomorrow's evening segment, God willing, we will wrap up John 16. We'll be wrapping up that Sermon on the Mount. Um, not Sermon on the Mount. I'm sorry. Wow. Um, that upper room discourse. Sorry. It's one of the, that, that upper room discourse, that, that private ministry of Jesus to the disciples. And then in 2024, God willing, we will start in John 17, the high priestly prayer. So let's go ahead and open up. Sorry. I needed to grab my hard copy here. And open up uh, page 204. Let me find it. Um, So with these last couple of days, I thought I would pick very specific um, prayers. And actually, two of these, you're going to have heard one tonight and one tomorrow. You'll actually have heard recently. But I thought they were important for the year end. So we're going to go ahead and do it. And actually, this one we're going to open up with for the evening segment here is called Year's End. So let's pray. O love beyond compare, thou art good when thou givest, when thou takest away, when the sun shines upon me, when night gathers over me. Thou hast loved me before the foundation of the world, and in love didst redeem my soul. Thou dost love me still, in spite of my hard heart, ingratitude, distrust. Thy goodness has been with me during another year, leading me through a twisting wilderness, in retreat helping me to advance, when beaten back making sure headway. Thy goodness will be with me in the year ahead. I hoist sail and draw up anchor, with thee as the blessed pilot of my future as of my past. I bless thee that thou hast veiled my eyes to the waters ahead. If thou if thou hast appointed storms of tribulation, thou wilt be with me in them. If I have to pass through tempests of persecution and temptation, I shall not drown. If I am to die, I shall see thy face the sooner. If a painful end is to be my lot, Grant me grace that my faith fail not. If I am to be cast aside from the service I love, I can make no stipulation. Only glorify thyself in me, whether in comfort or trial. As a chosen vessel, meet always for for thy use. Amen. And I would definitely pray that for all of us. And and which is why I chose it. I I figured it's very, very, very important for us going forward. All right. Well, our evening devotion is from Spurgeon's morning and evening. Um, let's see for December 28th. And the text for it is Matthew 10, 34. I came not to send peace on earth, but a sword. The Christian will be sure to make enemies. It will be one of his objects to make none. 
But if to do the right and to believe the truth should cause him to lose every earthly friend, he will count it but a small loss, since his great friend in heaven will be yet more friendly, and reveal himself to him more graciously than ever. O ye who have taken up his cross, know ye not what your master said? I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and a man's foe shall be they of his own household. Christ is the great peacemaker, but before peace he brings war. Where the light cometh, the darkness must retire. Where truth is, the light must flee. Or if it abideth, there must be a stern conflict, for the truth cannot and will not lower its standard, and the lie must be trodden under foot. If you follow Christ, you shall have all the dogs of the world yelping at, our he at your heels. If you would live so as to stand the test of the last tribunal, depend upon it. Sorry, depend upon it, the world will not speak well of you. He who has the friendship of the world is an enemy to God. But if you are true and faithful to the Most High, men will represent, I'm sorry, men will resent your unflinching fidelity, since it is a testimony against their iniquities. Fearless of all consequences, you must do the right. You will need the courage of a lion, unhesitatingly to pursue a course which shall turn your best friend into your fiercest foe. But for the love of Jesus, you must thus be courageous. For the truth's sake, to hazard reputation and affection is such a deed that to do it constantly you will need a degree of moral principle, which only the Spirit of God can work in you. Yet turn not your back like a coward, but play the man. Follow right manfully in your master's steps, for he has traversed this rough way before you. Better a brief warfare and eternal rest than false peace and everlasting torment. Amen. Amen to that. All right. Well, like I said, we're going to be continuing. We're going to continue on in our study of John chapter 16. And again, like I said, I'm sorry about the 26th and 27th that I wasn't able to get anything out, but this for the 28th here. So we've been dealing with the cardinal Christian virtues. We'd come through the section about from sorrow to joy. And again, we, we got to remember um, the disciples, the 12, well, the 11, excuse me, because um, Judas is gone. The 11, um, they're struggling at this point. Um, they've got a complete misunderstanding of and and it's from their culture so i you know i don't mean to bash them with you and i would have been in, in the same situation we, we'd have been the same way so i you know again i'm not bashing these guys um from their culture they they have an expectation and again like i've said you can even see it still in their culture I, again um as much as i love to listen to him ben shapiro who, who is a practicing Jew, um, makes very, very clear that the Messiah is supposed to be a worldly king, a worldly deliverer. But that's not what the scripture says. I mean, even, even their own scripture, even the, the, the totality of the Old Testament, including the law and the prophets, makes very, very clear that the point is that he is a spiritual deliverer, not a physical deliverer. So, and again, I'm not saying that to bash Ben. I'm not. But I'm trying to say this was the case back in the first century. Okay. So these disciples, that's where they're coming from. They're expecting a worldly deliverer and their realization that that's not what Jesus is going to be, that he is coming to be persecuted, to be arrested, to be murdered by the religious elite has, is thrown them for a loop. So they're struggling. So again, we see, um, in our last section, we did John, uh, John 16, 16 through 24 from sorrow to joy. Um, Jesus trying to show them the joy that's coming. And we saw that in the Lord's prediction and the disciples perplexity. They were confused, but then in the parable, he showed them and then the blessed promise. Okay. So, and, and again, the parable was like uh, speaking about birth. I mean, that, you know, that, that, that women go through a lot of pain. And of course that comes out of Genesis three. 
God was very clear that in childbirth, there will be a great deal of pain. And, and having two daughter-in-laws, one that just gave birth, um, but one that has given birth and is pregnant again, talking to my own wife, who we had two children, talking to my mother, who she had two children, one being me, um, that it does. You, you go through trial, you go through pain, but once the child is born, your memory of that fades. And that that's honestly, that's part of our biology so that women want to have more so that our race um, procreates so that it, it, it expands. So that, that, that was what Jesus was using. I mean, God's natural revelation to show that point being clear to them that tribulations are coming, but there's going to be joy after you're going to have joy. Again, he states that in verse 22, therefore you too have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. So again, so we've come into this section from verse 25 to 33 called the Cardinal Christian virtues. And we dealt with love from verse 25 to 27. Um, and this is about love, love of the father, the father loving them and the father thus being open to them that they can talk directly to the father. And I talked to you about that, about the veil being torn top to bottom, meaning the veil was removed and we now have direct access to the father. And he loves us because we love his son. We believe in his son and we believe he came forth from the father. So, um, thus he loves us. So, um, and he's spoken of, you know, that he's talked for, it used vigorous speech for a good bit of the talk he's made to them and everything, but then he's going to be moving away from that. So what we're looking at today is we're going to, so we looked at love, then we're going to be looking at faith. And then eventually we're going to be looking at hope at the end of this. But so we're going to look at faith today. So we're dealing with John 16, verse 27b, the, the second part of verse 27 through verse 32. So let me read them for you. And I'm sorry, I'm getting a lot of love from dogs right now. So actually I'll start at the beginning of verse 27 for the father himself loves, loves you because you have loved me. So that was the end of uh, Monday's thing and have believed that I came forth from the father. I came forth from the father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the father. His disciples said, Behold, now you are speaking openly and are not using a figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. So those are our verses for today. And we'll talk to them a little bit, but I think we want to talk about faith in general. So again, cardinal Christian virtues. Um, there was there was the hymn, well, and it was kind of a it was kind of a hippie type hymn, um, but it came out. You know, they, it, the 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 basic crux of it. They'll know we are Christians by our love. Well, the fact is that actually comes out of the Gospels. Actually, um, the the excuse me, the epistles, the Epistle of John. One of the I think it's the first Epistle of John. He makes it very very clear. That, that if we are truly Christians, we will manifest love for our brothers. And if we don't manifest that love, then we are not Christians. Basically, we're making the claim false, falsely. So that is a cardinal Christian virtue. Um, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 13. I think that's correct. 1 Corinthians 13, um, which is kind of the love chapter um, that talks about all the things that love is. But the, the crux is 
that Christians, one of their key virtues must be love. And we saw that speaking of that, of the love of the father, um, and that love of the father being conditional. Well, at least that, that deep love of the father in adopting us because we've loved Jesus, that love being, um, being an outflow of our belief in him. And so we see that at the beginning of this 27B and, and have believed that I came forth from the father. Now, what he's speaking of here, and then he goes on in verse 28, I came forth from the father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the father. Now, what the, the belief Jesus is speaking of and the belief Jesus will go on speaking of, the belief here and, and the knowing that the apostles are going to speak of, the, or the 11 are going to speak of, the disciples are going to speak of, this is not an intellectual ascent. When he says, and have believed that I came forth from the Father, speaking of the disciples, he's not talking about, well, they, they believe it because he told it, an intellectual belief. This is a true, deep, I've committed myself. I've committed myself to you. You are my Lord and Savior. And I know you came from the Father. That That's what they're, That's what he's saying there. He's saying, you have said this. And, I, and he, he acknowledges that they do. And he goes on and states, I've come, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. He's being very, very clear that he was born of the Father again. Um, we just come out of the Christmas season again, the, the, the Christ child was born of a virgin birth. Okay. So it was the Holy spirit that brought him about. So came forth from the father and have come into the world again, the Holy spirit, the spirit of God placed that child within Mary. Okay. So that's what he's stating. And that's what they're agreeing to. That's what he's saying that they understand that. But then he goes on to say, I am leaving the world again and going to the father again, indicating I'm going to leave the world again and I'm going to go sit at my father's right hand. And they understand that. And that's why his disciples go on in verse 29. His disciples said, behold, now you are speaking openly and are not using fig figure of speech. I'm going to go on in verse 30. Now we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. By this, we believe that you came from God. And again, the knowing here and the believing here that they speak of. John is documenting this, the statement, the, the, the Greek behind it. This is a true saving knowledge. This is a true saving belief that they are speaking of. Again, this is not just, a, again, an intellectual ascent that Jesus said he came from God and all these things. Um, what were you talking about? I actually think we talked about it Monday. Um, talked about the man born blind when, when, you know, now he's been healed and he makes that, that syllogism, that basic logical argument that, okay, we all know that only somebody that comes from God could restore some, could, could give somebody sight that never had it. This man gave me sight, which I never had. Therefore, this man is from God. You know, that logical, th this is not the kind of knowing we're talking about. This is not the kind of belief we're talking about. Okay. That's an intellectual ascent. This is a deep soul, soul, deep knowing a, 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 a true, true, anchored knowledge of the fact 
that this is my Lord and Savior, that he has come from God, that God sent him. This is a true, and, and these things that are stated here that Jesus states in verse 28, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world, and I'm leaving the world again and going to the Father. We read that very, very brief sentence. But what he is stating is the center of our gospel. He came forth from the Father, Holy Spirit, laid him in Mary. Um, without sin, he was conceived and born. Without sin. And he came into the world, and he came into the world to live a sinless life, to be the sacrifice, to be our mediator, to be our propitiatory sacrifice. And in that sacrifice, he will be leaving the world again and going to the Father and sending the Holy Spirit to us as a seal of that. That's our gospel right there, verse 28. And then what the disciples say in 29 and 30, they're acknowledging that. They acknowledge he did come from the Father and that he is speaking clearly and that he knows all things, meaning they're assenting to the fact, they're making clear that they know and truly savingly believe that what he has stated is absolutely correct, that the gospel is true and that they believe in it, savingly believe in it. That's what these statements are. Okay, they're not just a random conversation. Please don't lose that. It's really, really easy to read through this. And I say that having done it, read through this and not grasp how deep these statements are. How critical these statements are. They are showing clear faith and he is, he is acknowledging and confirming their faith. And he's grateful for their faith. He is. But we're going to see him make clear to them that it's going to be, it's going to get ugly. And please don't mistake. It's very, very easy to read verse 32. We're going to get there in a minute, but read verse 32 and think Jesus is being mean to them. He's not. So verse 31, 32, Jesus answered them. Do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered each to his own home and to leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the father is with me. So, it's really easy to hear that. And Jesus, you know, it sounds like he's questioning their belief. He's not. When he says, do you now believe? It is kind of a statement of, so it's taken all of this to get you to truly believe with everything I've done over these three years. Now you're finally getting it. So there's some frustration there. And this is not the first time we see Jesus through the gospels, you know, go, are you kidding me? Um, you know, after, after the feeding the 5,000, I think it's after the feeding the 5,000, um, and they're traveling by boat and they realize they didn't bring any bread and they start talking about not having enough bread. And Jesus goes, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they think he's talking about bread. Well, no. And, and eventually he has to correct them, but he's frustrated with them as, are you still not getting it? Is how he comes across to them. And, the, and then they realize, and I think it may have been in the gospel of John, but, but in one of them, and, and it, and it states clearly that whoever the author is makes the realization that then they have the realization that he was not speaking of bread, but speaking of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So again, this isn't the first time that Jesus has been frustrated with them and their lack of grasp. Now, again, he knows and understands, but he, he's got to make a point here. He's not trying to be mean to them. He knows they're dealing with a certain sense of spiritual blindness. Okay. And they're going to, they're going to until the Holy Spirit comes. They're going to until the Holy Spirit comes in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost or Acts 1, whatever, on the day of Pentecost. And he knows that. 
But at the same time, his calling them out on it is going to make it stick in their mind. There's a purpose behind it. Jesus, again, Jesus is not being mean. He's making a, a landmark in their minds as to what went on here and the teaching that went on here so that when the Holy Spirit comes and reveals all these things, these landmark points are going to become absolutely clear and they are going to set the knowledge of the gospel in these men, these amazing men, these very ordinary men, but these men that are going to carry the gospel to the ends of the known world. That's the faith we're seeing here. But, but again, Again, so we ask that question, do you now believe? But it's really easy, like I said, to read verse 32 and goes, wow, why would you want to kick these guys when you know they're already struggling and you're trying to pick them up? He's not. But again, he goes, behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home and to leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the father is with me. Again, he has been doing this throughout this upper room discourse where he's pointed out, here's what's about to happen. And he points it out in detail. So why does he do that? Why does he do that? Well, what have I, what have I said before to you about it? He does this to make clear to them that this is expected. I know it's going to, you know, and this is from Jesus. I know it's going to, and this is Wayne's paraphrase of Jesus thoughts. Okay. And again, I'm not trying to say I, I know his mind. But again, it, the way it comes across is he knows this is going to be scary. He knows this is going to unsettle them, but he's letting them know this is expected. So when it happens, it doesn't have as heavy a blow on their faith so that they are able, when the Holy Spirit comes, to pick themselves back up and to become the men they need to be, the godly men they need to be, the, the, the missionaries they need to be to carry the gospel for him. That's why he shows them that even in this point of saying, and yet I am not alone because the father is with me. So what does that, what does that really say? Now, again, it means the father is with him and he's going to sit there through all those trials because even in the way he handles the trials in not reviling, even though he's reviled, sets a precedent for his disciples and shows how clearly the father is with him, but also in the fact that not only does he die, in three days, he's, he's resurrected, shows clearly the father's with him. So again, he's making very, very clear. Yeah, you're going to be scattered. I'm going to be taken away from you. You're going to be scattered um, and, and leave me alone, but I'm not going to be alone. The father's going to be with me, meaning these things are going to happen and it's okay. We've got it. Okay. But you've still got to have that faith. He's, he's like, so you, do you now believe, do you now have that faith? We'll know that this is coming also. There's the implicit. So you got to hang on to your faith. You got to hang on tight. And again, he's saying these kind of thing. He's wrapping up these cardinal Christian virtues, making very, very clear. This is the end of the private minute of his private ministry to the disciples. Um, it makes me think of, um, when you read second Timothy, and again, second Timothy is the last epistle written by Paul. It is his last letter written and it's written to his protege, Timothy. And second Timothy four is the very last chapter of it. So this is Paul's last letter before he loses his head, literally in prison in Rome. So he is passing on being Paul, he is passing on some of the most important things he knows he needs 
Timothy to know to carry on the ministry of the gospel. And so he speaks in 2 Timothy 4 about that he has to, that Timothy has to be ready to preach the gospel in season and out of season, to be ready to reprove, to rebuke, and to exhort, and to be, be aware that people are going to hit the point where they don't want to hear sound teaching anymore. They're going to want to find teachers that tickle their ears, like the Joel Osteens that are out there, um, that tickle their ears and make them feel good. The Beth Moore, the, 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 um, oh, anyways, doesn't matter. But, but those that tickle their ears, but don't give them sound doctrine that don't convict. And so Paul passes that on. Well, this is how I see Jesus. Yes, we're going to see the high priestly prayer, but this is the end of his teaching and his ministry to them. So he's trying to give them the last solid points that they need to hang on to, that they need to be aware of, that they need to anchor deep in who they are. These cardinal Christian virtues, love and faith that we've covered this evening. And what we're going to see in verse 33 is hope, which should come from that love and faith. And we'll discuss that, God willing, tomorrow evening. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this evening. I thank you for spending this time with me. I, I hope this continues to help you and I both get a very a, a deeper knowledge of the scripture um, so that it more and more shapes our walk. Um, I hope you have yourself a wonderful evening, and I hope to see you for tomorrow morning's morning segment. Let's go ahead and close out with the fifth day evening prayer. It's called Protection. Let's pray. O Lord God, thou art our preserver, governor, savior, and coming judge. Quieten our souls to call upon thy name. Detach us from the influence of the flesh and the senses. Impress us with the power of faith. Promote in us a spirituality of mind that will render our services acceptable to thee and delightful and profitable to ourselves. Bring us into that state which attracts thine eye, and prepare us to receive the proofs of thy love. Show us our danger that we may fly to thee for refuge. Make us sensible of our sin's disease that we may value the good physician. Placard to us the cross that it may slay the enmity of our hearts. Help us to be watchful over our ways, jealous over our tempers, diligent over our hearts. May we droop I'm sorry, when we droop, revive us. When we loiter, quicken us. When we go astray, restore us. Possess us with more of that faith, which is the principle of all vital godliness. May we be rich in faith, be strong in faith, live by faith, walk by faith, experience the joy of faith, do the work of faith, hope through faith, perceiving nothing in ourselves. May we find in the Savior wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful evening, and I hope to see you tomorrow morning. Have a good night. God bless. Music.